Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone, this is JJ, and welcome back to another episode of Southern Demonology. I apologize for being away for a while, but even though I'm working from home, it does not mean that the work has lessened. Um, In fact, my company has been doing some pretty audacious things, and my workload has quadrupled as of late. Which has been great. It's allowed me to get my mind off from everything and actually focus on work. Um, so, in that regard, it's been it's been good. Um, and plus, as they say, I've been socially distancing well before it was ever mandatory. So, it hasn't required exactly a huge amount of readjustment for me. But still, it's. You know, it's an entirely different mindset that one has to adjust to. So, but anyway, we are now back. And today I wanted to talk about a few different topics. But we're going to start off with knowledge. Which is kind of appropriate because for anyone that's been listening for a while, you know that my first love uh, in the academic sense wasn't religion but rather philosophy. And I actually came to philosophy from a very practical perspective. In high school, I fell into the lap of Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is all um, value debate or philosophical debate. And honestly, you know, there's a few different formats for debates out there. Uh, You have your pure policy debates, you have some amalgamations, but to me, it's always been Lincoln-Douglas because, and I'm not going to go too in-depth in this, don't worry, I'm not trying to bore anyone out there any more than I already do, but um, Lincoln-Douglas debate is all about, um, you have a value proposition and then each, uh, you always prepare both an affirmative and a negative, and you're randomly assigned to either side of those. Um, But in order to focus your arguments, you always have a value and a criterion. 
and the value is some philosophical concept or goal. So, for example, morality or utilitarianism. And then your criterion would be essentially how you will accomplish that philosophical value. So, if it is utilitarianism, then you're looking at a you know criterion of maybe um, Lopp's utilitarianism uh, or um, uh, act utilitarianism or whatever it may be. And then you would build your cases all off from that. So I fell in love with philosophy. Um, and so when I got into college, I knew that was one of the things that I was going to study. And I love it. I still love it. I still read as much as I can, which hasn't been nearly as much as of late. But so anyway, the point of me actually rambling about that, and I apologize, is I had a I had come up with a theory of philosophy itself, of these cycles that philosophy can go through and I had I was so proud of this theory and I'm rather ashamed to say that now but um, I remember going on to one of my favorite tech uh, blogs that I usually read at least once a day or so uh, called slashed up and it's been around forever and there was some um, article that was posted that was related to philosophy and for some reason I decided to share I rarely share but and that's kind of ironic coming from a podcaster but regardless I decided to share this theory and I was you know so proud of it typing it all out came out to be uh, you know a huge article in and of itself and I hit submit and I I really don't know what was going through my head was I expecting people to fall over in the utter brilliance that I had just postulated? Well, needless to say, the exact opposite happened. Um, people that had a much, um, I don't know if it was narrow or what, but um, had a much broader sense of things than I did, rightfully ripped my idea apart. And... I went through the stages of, you know, anger, how dare someone do this, to sadness, to, of course, eventually just completely forgot about it. And it wasn't until a few days ago I was sitting around thinking about models of knowledge. And for some reason that whole cyclical concept came back to me and I wanted to share it not just to share an embarrassing story about me <laughs> myself but rather to show uh, I wanted to get to the point of showing the limits of knowledge especially when we come up with these theories about how things work and the limitations that those theories can face. So, for example, 
you know, I, I had this idea of philosophy moving in cycles and things can repeat and things don't repeat. And, but you always go to an upper bound of progress of trying to reach somewhere toward, if not the truth, then a truth. And that is patently ridiculous. You know, there is no overarching guidance that's out there, you know, plucking this thought here or shaping this thought there in order to get humanity slowly but surely more advanced in its theories of how things work. Now, you could say that, I mean, there is definite progress. I mean, the the old quotation of standing on the shoulders of giants is very true. You know, you humanity can build upon knowledge that previous generations have generated. But that doesn't mean that that progression is always upward or even correct. When you're standing outside of a field and you're looking down, you're not seeing the way that it was in various time periods. Yes, you do have a bird's eye view, but that bird's eye view does not mean that objectivity is on your side. You know, if you're studying something about history, then you're not just taking an amalgamation of facts. You're taking a series of events that have been reported. Those reports are typically filtered through the situation at hand. You know, another old question, you know, old uh, quotation of history is written by the victors there's if there's a conflict there's obviously going to be one side that wins out so you're taking that filtered concept and now you have an amalgamation of those things and then not only are you treating that to be oh that's the way it really was you're also having your own personal concepts whether that be truth or misconception or somewhere in between thrown into the mix so if you're studying something you're getting unless you start delving extremely deep and extremely carefully you're not getting true knowledge you are creating a model so that you can understand it. And we develop these models continuously. If you look at the models that a child develops as they're trying to understand the world, you know, it first starts off with a whole bunch of questions. And then, you know, as they start to, to piece things together, then those models are extremely simplistic. And then as you grow older, you learn more. You're able to add on to those models. And they grow ever more sophisticated. But yet, at the end of the day, they're still models. You're not grasping the thing itself. Right? 
Instead, you're, as Heidegger would put it, you're taking this historicity, this, um, I hate saying the word amalgamation another time. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to repeat myself over and over here. Um, but you're dragging along not only your knowledge and your being, but also all of these things that have been glued upon it from your own history. And not only are you dragging it behind you, but it's also weirdly flipped forward as well because that is what is encountering every single thing that you experience. And that experience is being filtered through that historicity. And I say this because there are moments that you experience which shines a flashlight on the artificialness of what you know. Those moments that just take you by the neck and go, see, you thought you were so smart, but you're just getting a dimension or maybe even a few dimensions of what this really is. But how do you know that's happening? How do you know what you know is actually true or not? And it's humbling. But it's also highly refreshing. Not that I've, you know, I'm turning into a nihilist and saying, oh, you know, nothing has meaning whatsoever. Nor am I turning into a postmodern. You know, postmodernism is freeing in some sense. It's this idea that, you know, there may be or may not be an objective truth out there, truth with a capital T. So because of that, I'm just going to play. I'm going to sit here and, you know, take all of these concepts, all of these ideas, and just constantly reinvent them within a sandbox and have fun doing it. I, I understand that concept. I agree that actually getting to know something is extremely difficult, if not impossible. But if you keep going far enough, you wind up to either complete randomness or you take it and you jump the shark into complete ridiculousness. For example, I may have actually said this before, and if I have, I apologize. My mind is really not with me as of late. Plus, it's kind of late when I'm actually recording this because it was the only quiet time that I could find. There was a... When I was in college and I was studying uh, philosophy and actually postmodernism, there was an article that was written all about the idea of play and, and that concept is fine i don't have any problems with that whatsoever i mean not that my opinion is going to matter to anybody but regardless and there was um the professor who started comparing desert and dessert and i i remember just looking at the book closing it and throwing it against the room. 
it's kind of the exact same thing that you get when you watch something that's supposed to be funny, but the entire humor is derived from absolute randomness. Um, if you ever watched half of the shows on Adult Swim, that's pretty much the exact same thing. There's no talent involved. There's no like true humor involved. It's rather, I'm just going to combine a whole bunch of random ideas and pray to goodness that someone out there takes that to be true comedy. And I'm not saying anything against Adult Swim. I actually like a lot of their shows. Um, but it's when a show thinks that it can substitute ultimate randomness for something more interesting. That's when I kind of draw the line. Anyway, I have gotten completely over into left field. Why in the world am I talking about this? And I actually am going to bring this back to someone somewhat that's uh, related to the topic at hand, I promise you. I, as I said, I've been attending these uh, psalm classes from, that my uh, former professor from Hampton Sydney College is uh, continuing to teach, and it's virtual. And it's great. It's actually the high point of my week. And after class, if I don't have like meetings that are butting up before and against, I get to stay after and, you know, talk to my professor and his wife and not only just reconnect, but also, you know, find out how they're doing, how everything's going, but then to bounce some ideas that, you know, I've had through the readings or just preconceptions that I've had that I've wanted to bounce against somebody else. And I've, I've almost had forgotten this feeling, but have you ever encountered someone who is just so damn good at what they do that it humbles you? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I mean, I like to think that I'm really, really good at my job. I mean, I better been. I've been doing it for 21 plus years now. And I, I love it. I continuously study. I do everything I can to, you know, be, be at the top of my game. But that doesn't mean that I'm the best anywhere. Um, I have ran across quite a few people in which if you talk to them, you know that their skill at the very least is equal to yours and they probably exceed it by a decent bit. And, 
you know, there's a moment of sadness in that realization, but more than that, those are opportunities to learn. And I, I relish those. And I have often seen that not just in what I do in my job, but academically as well. And my professor is like the shining example of that. What this man can do with ideas is amazing. And I think this is kind of the best part. He does not play. What he when he has a concept, he will he will exact such rigor in determining if there's any value to it. And if there is, then he will pursue it. I mean, dear Lord, the man has been working on the project since 1995 and he just completed phase one. That is the sheer amount of rigor that he does. And it's actually, that's what inspired me to go into graduate school. Because I thought, God, if there's any way in the world that I could get my brain to function on even a remote wavelength closer than what his does, then I would be golden. Uh, you know, finally realized that no, that's just sheer innate talent, and there's no way I'm ever going to be able to emulate that. Um, because me, I mean, I'm taken with concepts, with ideas. I love to explore them. I love to take what knowledge I have and what research I can do and figure out if there's merit and then go from there. But I also enjoy the play. But whatever I do is, I'm not even sure if you can really call it a shadow compared to what my professor can do. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I've been bouncing ideas off from him and seeking his con you know his um what his perspective is and uh, it, it it's really kind of shown a light on how tenuous my knowledge is and it's not because i'm intimidated by the man i am i mean i even though, you know, he always tells people, oh, call me by my first name. But I don't know if it's just my upbringing or I, can, I just, I still know that there's such a gap between us that I can't do it. I, it's always doctor your last name. I, I just cannot give, bring myself to call him by his first name, even though I would really like to. Because, I mean, I, I still consider, you know, I've always considered him a, fr a friend, but more than that, a mentor. So, but anyway, that fragility of knowledge, I think it's just a good thing to remind everyone of. And it's not because I want you to be insecure of your knowledge. I mean, those, those moments where you truly question, could this be right? Could this be wrong? they're terrifying and I don't want anyone else to go through that especially you know when you're putting into an environment of such rigor and you have to defend those concepts it's kind of a scary place but it's also exhilarating 
so uh, the whole point of this is, you know, I know I've said in the past that I, I don't know nothing. Equally true, if not more so, you know, me saying it now than when I have in the past. Um, but I, I really just wanted to point out that all of these concepts that I have been talking about in, in previous episodes, I believe them. I thoroughly believe them. But have I had a lifetime to research them? No, I have not. Um, are some of my ideas probably, you know, batshit crazy? Maybe. <laughs> not saying they're not. But take everything with a grain of salt. And don't ever let anyone trounce your ideas or don't get discouraged if you know you run across somebody who's had you know a few more years of study and of course I'm the ultimate sinner on that front because that's exactly what I've been describing for the past 10 minutes now oh god it's 22 minutes into this episode dear lord I've been babbling for a long time anyway I'm going to wrap this particular piece up but um the thing that I wanted to go through is, and I actually have gotten some validation and doing some additional research and with talking with some for former professors that I've had the luxury to be able to reach out and make sure that they're okay, but also get to relate to them in ways that I haven't been able to in quite a while. And it, it really has been wonderful, but the the last piece that I wanted to talk about in this entire mixed up web and forgive me for not being nearly as organized about this as I wanted to but one of the pieces that is so important to grasp and it's so hard to is what academics call the sits and leaves the you know the situation so, for example, and if you, you know, go onto YouTube, you watch a whole bunch of videos, unless it's news, most um, people that are creating content will not mention the pandemic by name. And that's because YouTube does some pretty severe things to, you know, the, the revenue models and prioritization and all that kind of stuff. The moment that you mention, you know, the pandemic. And I was thinking, how strange is that going to be in, you know, 10, 15 years and new teenagers are coming up and they happen to be watching older content and they're going to hear people talk about the 19 or the situation or something else along those lines. And not knowing what in the ever-living world these people are not directly talking about. And it's the exact same thing with these ancient texts. Most often they dance around. Simply because of the fact that everyone knew exactly what was being talked about. And there is no reason to go into these nitty gritty details of every single dearly held concept 
because not only would it be unfathomable to do so, but even more importantly, their theory of knowledge was much more simplified. Their model was much more simplified. You know, there was not these, you know, competing and contrasting um, ideas about how knowledge is stored. To the ancient mind, the I, you know, like for example in Hebrew, the word deber, it can mean thing, or it can mean word, but it can also mean thing or event. And it's because of the fact that you know, to our modern sensibilities, even though we have a concept of the word, that vocabulary term is describing a category of knowledge within our head. It's describing all of the social phenomena that surrounds that term in a language. However, we know now that it's not describing, as Plato would say, the thingness of the thing. It's not getting to that ultimate core truth of that item. It's rather describing everything that that time period, that culture, that language, and that person happen to conceptualize about that thing but in the ancient world that was not the case it was oh you know when we talk about a thing then we are really describing that thing however the ancients also did not presuppose that they understood everything. That was only the realm for God. So instead, if they were talking about an item, they would only have the barest recollection of what that thing truly was. Because truly knowing was for the realm of the divine. So I have talked a lot about not knowing, not being able to know, insecurity and in what you do happen to know. But I don't want to leave it on that note. I'm instead going to finish up with Kant. Uh, Immanuel Kant was my favorite philosopher uh, all throughout high school uh, and going into college. I read his works, even though... They're very difficult and very boring half the time. The ideas that lay behind his words were amazing. And then one day, I discovered that the man could be a poet. He wrote about a huge, variable range of topics. He was a true philosopher in the sense that it wasn't just ideas that he played around with. He also looked at um, natural science, at astronomy. In fact, he was one of the early 
uh, hypothesizers about there being other galaxies outside of our own. But the piece that really has always intrigued me um, was um, um, a, a small piece that he wrote called um, um, On the Beautiful and the Sublime. And it actually earned him a position of poetry at the University of Berlin, if my mind is actually serving me right. So for a man who is known for writing philosophical treatises that have been known to put people, even the most diligent of students, rapidly to sleep, to know that he could, he could truly be a poet was kind of a revelation. But... One of the things that I've always taken away from him, it's just um, two little words that he wrote. And I don't remember where, but it was Sapoyadwe. Dare to know. Or if you want to be a little bit more ver verbose, have the courage to use your own intelligence. Never let your intellectual curiosity be stymied lay stagnant pick it up charge with it because it's only by learning do we grow thank you very much for joining me one more time um, I promise the next episode will actually be about uh, plague and the Catholic uh, gods which I hope would be a lot more interesting than me rambling about knowledge for 30 minutes or so. But um, I do want to say to everybody, thank you very much for listening and for joining in. Um, if you've followed us on Facebook, thank you. If you've written me a message through our website, southerndemonology.com, or pinged me through another avenue, thank you for that as well. Uh, Y'all keep me going. It's been fantastic getting to have personal conversations with y'all. In fact, I really want to urge you, if you're even remotely interested, even if it's not to have like full active participation, but just to be on a fly in a wall and listen in, join our Discord server. The details are both on our Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash southerndemonology, or on our website, southerndemonology.com. But we have, right at the very top, I have a link uh, to our Discord server. Uh, we were small, but we've had quite, you know a, a few really fascinating people join in. We've had some great conversations. And it's been a lot of fun getting to connect with everybody, you know, get ideas for what other people want to hear about. I've loved every single moment of it. In fact, I would say it's not me babbling out into the void that has been the greatest part about this entire podcast experience, but it's rather getting to connect with everyone and listening to you and you listening to me and forming, you know, a, a community. It's, it has been truly heartwarming and I really can't thank y'all enough. It's been humbling and one of the best things I've ever gotten to do. Um, so thank you. And if I will say one last thing and then I'm going to stop. If you wouldn't mind, would you rate this podcast? 
however you listen to it, whether it's SoundCloud, if you send a like, if it's on Facebook, send a like, uh, through Spotify, or however else you happen to get your your podcast. If you wouldn't just mind liking it or you know giving it a rating, and I'm not talking about an artificially high one, whatever you feel is adequate, um, but it would mean a lot to me. Because uh, actually, that was a great suggestion by one of our Discord members. Um, you know, urging me to actually get off my duff and try to grow this experience out a little bit more. So, thank you for that recommendation. It was, it, I thought it was really well done. So, hope everyone stays safe. And if I can ever do anything, feel free to ping me and um, we'll sit down and talk. So, have a great week, y'all. I will talk to y'all later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 